Welcome to the Dealmaker Show, the number one place for entrepreneurs and dealmakers to learn about leveraging and generating status, frame control, and narrative power to close big deals. Here is your host, investment banker, deal-making expert, and best-selling author of Pitch Anything and Flip the Script, Mr. Oren Claff. Hey, good afternoon. This is Oren Claff. This is The Dealmaker Show. And my goal here is to introduce you to characters who have been in situations that are very hard to get into. Inside of those situations, they did things that were high stress, high conflict, difficult to accomplish. And then they bounced back out and they're giving us their time and energy to tell us what they learned about human nature inside of difficult business circumstances. So on that basis, I'd like to welcome Steve Sims to the show. Steve, thank you for taking your time to be here. I knew I knew that you would be an interesting guest uh, because as I went through your material, uh, you, you know, you've been on a lot of different motorcycles. You like motorcycles. Your penchant for motorcycles is Ducati. And that means you like things that go fast, but don't work like they should all the time. <laughs> and, and I'll just say one other thing, like motorcyclists are interesting to me because like there, there's there's car people uh, well, there's, there's bicycle people, right? And they ride the bicycle and it's sort of low speed and, and exercise. Then there's car people, but if your car breaks, it rolls to a stop and you fix it. Motorcycle people are very specific about how things in life work. Cause you get something wrong on a motorcycle and you die. So I love, and then, then there's helicopter people who have even more of that, but they're, um, um, sort of too digital. So I love motorcycle guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here. I have a lot to talk to you about, but, uh, um, the, the, the first thing, you know, started, let's start at the beginning. Your business is, you know, helping pull off sort of very interesting, exciting one-off events that, lend to branding that lend to differentiation that that create something that's memorable and in today's world which is mostly white noise I want to get into that that is so important so I'm happy to have you here what give us an example of something that you've done that is not like completely off the charts you know when we we invited six celebrities to play in a rock band on the other side of the moon but you know something that's interesting but accessible uh, to understand. Wow. Um, accessible. You see, that's the argument to start with. There are people out there that, that will go, that could never happen. And the second they've said that they're already right. Yeah. Um, so for me, what's accessible is what I've done and what I can dream up. So for me, I'm well known for, you know, being asked to get a couple married in the Vatican by the Pope. I closed down the uh, the museum in Florence, the Academia, the Galleria, the houses, Michelangelo's David, because my client wanted to have a fancy uh, dining experience in in Florence. I took over an entire museum, set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, and then as the dinner time entertainment had uh, Andre Bocelli serenade them. So someone's idea of what's accessible is only limited by them. But me, let me, sorry, I totally agree, but can I put some pressure on that? Because yeah. I, I, I have two sets of friends. One set of friends are have, not worth, have $100 million or more, right? And so we have a saying on that side, which is, you know, just keep throwing money at a problem until it goes away. So eventually, right, we're, we're going to get there with Botticelli and the, and the, the triptych of Venus and the Vatican and the Pope is going to come in and we're going to teach the Pope how to cook sushi 
and he's going to serve us dinner because we put enough money into whatever those people want. It, but but let's if we if we want something to happen that isn't purely dependent on throwing massive money at it, what you know what are what's possible without infinite funding? So the key is the first key is never to give the person what they've asked for. You see, you'll find something that's symbolic in all of the stuff that I've done. It has never been what the clients asked for. Notice that I gave you the example of what I did for the Italian meal by closing down a museum. He asked for a dining experience. To go and flip the switch completely, I had a billionaire from Chicago want to create the most impactful, memorable anniversary that he's ever celebrated. So what I did was yeah. I recreated the first time they ever met was over a picnic camper in a park. And he had a boom box that he had recorded his favorite at the time, you know, sexy, you know, smooth love tunes. And I recreated that. And that whole experience cost less than 1500 bucks. But what we did was we went back when he wanted to create impact. I said, what was the most impactful thing about your entire relationship? And he said, the first time I saw her walk across that park, I knew I had to chat with her. And I had a, a picnic camper. And she joined me for a really bad sandwich and a can of Coke. So we recreated that. And out of all the stuff I've done with them over the 15 years, that is still the story they tell. Because getting yes. a boombox that yes. actually works and had those tunes triggered emotion. So yes. give people more than what they ask for. Yes. That's why I just want to start a business like renting old Camaros to couples, you know, uh, and they yeah. just they jump in the back seat and uh, have another baby. Okay. Yeah. But, but for, um, oh my God, I have so many questions for you. First of all, let's credential you because I, I, I wanted to make sure you could, you know, talk in things that were doable, but let's get the, what are the big ones that you've done? Uh, just I know you're highly credentialed and a lot of people know it. My audience tends to be a, a little bit more uh, um, digital. And so share with them some of the big things that you've done. And then I want to peel back the layers and 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 basically take everything that's good in your mind and extract it. You know, like like how they strip mine in uh, West Virginia. They just blow the top of the mine, take mm -hmm. the coal off and then leave. I'm going to try and do that here if it's All possible. Right. But so the highlights. Um I've sent more people down to the Titanic than anybody. Um, I've put a client on stage to sing with the rock band Journey and is now registered as the shortest term lead singer of that rock band. Uh, I've had clients on every single fashion week throughout the planet, the major ones, you know, Milan, Paris, London, on the front seats with all the celebrities. I've had them on stage, backstage. I've done uh, guitar lessons with ZZ Top. Drum lessons with Guns N' Roses, walked the white carpet into Sir Elton John's Oscar party. I've worked with everyone from the New York Fashion Week, the Monaco Formula One Grand Prix, uh, Sir Elton John's Oscar party, the Grammys, Naris, Kentucky Derby. Um, I've done all of that over 25 years of launching the world's most successful experiential concierge firm. And now since releasing my book like four years ago, I actually coach and speak throughout the planet on teaching entrepreneurs how to go for the amazing, how to go for stupid, how to go for the ridiculous and actually achieve it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And the one quick takeaway, you know, the story you told me of like, you know, 
people want something, but they really want the outcome, not necessarily the thing they've defined, right? Yeah, correct. I've, and they, they quite often won't even know what the outcome is, but they know they want something more than what they've just asked you for. They'll almost have a bit of depression in their eyes when they go, hey, I'd like to do this. And you go, really? Is that as far as you could dream? But a lot of people are scared of actually telling you what they really, really want. Yeah. Uh, the I, I think of the story, you know, the man uh, who was sitting there watching the soccer game, Manchester United on TV, uh, his dog was barking. So he took his full beer can and whipped it at the dog, missed, hit his mother-in-law and goes, eh, not so bad after all. So <laughs> the, the, uh, I mean, I find that with our clients too, is, you know, they, they say they want something, but you, you know, bring them something different that is actually possible and doable and actually makes sense for them. And then they're, they're happy because they want a feeling and they want an outcome and they don't, you know, they're, they're not in the business of knowing, uh, exactly what's possible, what's doable. And, um, so, so when somebody comes and wait a second, stop, Warren, what, let's go backwards. I have, th this is not a job, right? So you didn't weren't, um, on indeed, um, looking for something to do. And they go guy to organize, uh, events at the, in Florence and then Vatican and make the Pope serve pizza to the rock band journey and be in the rock band and, uh, go out to dinner with the drummer from Scorpions. So that wasn't a job application. Where did this come from? I was and, poor. Yeah. Nice. That, that was as simple as it was. I, I left school at the age of 15, worked on my dad's building site. I was a bricklayer. And at the age of uh, 16, I was like, is this it? Is this hey, what my hey, life hey, is going to be? Hey, what's behind you? Are you still in that building? It does look <laughs> like it, doesn't it? Does. It does. But I just, it, it was one of those things that I just couldn't, I couldn't accept that that was going to be my future. My granddad was on the building site. My cousins, my uncle, everyone I knew was on that building site. So I went out to try and find something different. And strangely enough, I ended up becoming a doorman of a nightclub. But it wasn't even a, a, a good nightclub. And that was my opportunity to see people. I saw people that were wealthy. And you'll be able to answer this. There are people that are wealthy. They act a different way to people that are pretending they're wealthy. And so I suddenly got this crash course on human psychology, and I realized I needed to create a reason for that person to talk to me. If it meant me getting you into a party that you weren't you know, on the guest list to or getting you to meet a celebrity or getting you into a private event, then that wasn't what I wanted to do. It was a means to an end. I created the concierge firm not because I want to hang around with people, because I don't get on with a lot of people. It's one of the reasons I ride motorcycles. You can't call me. I can't give you a lift. I can't drive through a Starbucks. I'm on my own. I'm detached from the planet all the time I'm on two wheels. And I like that solitude. I love it. This is why I go on rides. Uh, we can compare motorcycles for a second. Uh, but once you put your helmet on, I mean, you're in that Yeah. In that, uh, uh bubble. And I, I was on a, a motorcycle trip up from San Diego to Monterey with my wife. And uh, it relates. So you have the helmet. You can't talk to the other person. And as you get north of San Luis Obispo, uh, and then you sort of sink down into that lower area on the coast and the temperature can drop 40, 45 degrees. Yeah. And so we we're on a, we have a BMW K 1200 R, which is, you know, the hot rod of the BMWs. And, um, we have heated vests 
right? So I take out the heated vest because it, now it's probably 48 degrees and it's getting pretty cold. I take out the heated vest. I go to plug them in. One plug, right? For two vests. So of course I plug my wife or she was my girlfriend then. Uh, so I plug my then girlfriend's uh, vest into the BMW. And so we keep riding. I am freezing to death, right? Uh, and so 10 miles down the road, I mean, it's probably 38 degrees. And then she taps me, stop, stop, stop. You know, so we stop and I go, well, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? She lifts up her, uh, her helmet, you know, cause we can't talk to each other. And she goes, it's so hot. Is there any way it's so hot here <laughs> with this vest on? So I love motorcycle trips because they, they're just you inside your helmet and you can't talk to anyone, and all your thoughts are just spinning around. Uh, on your own. And it's just, it's, especially in today's world, it's just time with yourself. So I'd love it. But cause I wasn't sure if the motorcycles and all your pictures were you posing with motorcycles or you're a motorcycle rider. Uh, but I can see you get offended. I hope it. you've got that sorted out. Yeah. I got that sorted out for, all right, good. for sure. Uh, and so the, uh, I, I want to go back to the observations you had. Cause I have a lot of these observations as well from very wealthy people. So there's, there's two categories, people who actually have cash done, right? Yep. And there's behaviors and attitudes and sensibilities. There's guys who are worth a lot because their company is worth a lot, but it hasn't, they're not, it hasn't been created liquid. So, so they are treated with uh, deference, respect, but they don't, they're not actually liquid. And then there's guys who, um, and there's two categories of poor people. Poor people are authentically poor uh, or not poor, but, but illiquid and, you know, they have what they have and they cop to it. And then there's guys who can, and maybe I'm one of those guys, like I have some nice cars and, you know, some bikes and live in a good place, but, uh, you know, I don't have a hundred million dollars uh, free floating around. So I think those are the four categories, but what do you see in guys sitting on 50 or a hundred million dollars? It's different from guys who wish they had $50 million and it's sort of in their own mind, kind of believe it's true, but it's not. All right. So let me give you the, uh, the scoop. When I started looking after rich people, I started looking after rich people because I knew what poor people were like, because I was one of them. All right. You can hate me for that term if you like, but I learned educationally along the way, the poor was split into two ways. You can have a lot of money and still be poor. Okay. And there were poor people that are the happiest people in the planet. Therefore, they're rich. So there was different kinds of, uh, of poorness that was going around. I was financially restricted. I was loved. I was protected. I was safe. But I was financially strapped. So when I started doing what I was doing, I only did it for one reason. I am a very simple two-step kind of guy. I do this to get this. I look after you because I wanted to engage you in a conversation. And at the beginning, I wanted to ask you why you were rich and I was not. Stupid question. I realized that when I was talking to people and going, hey, why are you rich and I'm not? They would instantly look at their finances. And no one wants to give away how much money's in their bank account. So it was a bad question. Did not get me any results. Did not get me any depth. Did not get me any strategies. So I realized if you don't like the answer, you're probably asking the wrong question. So I changed the question. Why are you wealthy? Now I'm getting questions like, because I found my soulmate. I look after my children. I go to church. I study this religion. All of a sudden, I'm getting answers that I cannot do nothing with. I'm not going to marry your wife. I'm not going to look after your kids. This is not helping me. 
I want tactics. So again, wrong answer. Change the question. Why are you successful and I'm not? That was the hit. People suddenly started telling me what they did. And I realized no one becomes rich. They become successful. And the wealth, the, the attributes, the mindsets, the, 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 the dollar signs is a byproduct of a successful mindset. So your question is, what does a successful person do that a non-successful person doesn't? And it comes down to three things. The first thing, they value time differently to everybody else. They look at, okay, what can I do with this hour? We both know we can make more money, but we can't make more time. That still eludes us. So when you speak to a successful person, it's almost like getting grilled. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. What are you working on at the moment? How much impact are you looking to create on that? Why do you think you could do that? And when are you going to finish? What are the goals? It's like an interview. It's intense. No one that is successful spoke with other people during COVID going, hey, what are you binge watching on Netflix? Because no one gave a shit. They focused on what you could do. So successful people, first off, they value time greater than non-successful people. Second thing is, when they get into relationships, they get into relationships. They don't get into a resume pissing match. They, you, you hear this thing about, that sounds great. Let's grab a coffee. Let's talk that over. Let's do lunch. And people go, oh, that's what rich people do. No, what they're doing is they're getting into a relationship. They're hiring. They're getting into a, uh, an affiliate agreement to make sure that the other person that's entering their world shares the same vision, goals, and culture. You see, a skill set, I can teach you a skill set. I can send you on a six-month course, and you can learn the skills. But if you don't share the same vision and the same culture, then we're not going to get on. So uh, successful people focus on the culture of the person coming into the world. And the third thing is when the shit hits the fan and things always go wrong, that's beautiful because that's where growth happens. But when things go wrong, successful people lean in to the failure. Where did that trip me up? Where did that not give me the outcome I wanted? How did this not happen? And they want to find out where those things are so they can grow from them, remove them, and be successful next time. Yeah, can I, can I comment on that one thing? Just so I know, Let me finish. Yeah. Let me finish. Non-successful people, when the shit hits the fan, they lean back, hold their head, cry, go, oh, I've lost all my money, throw a little pity party, and start serving McDonald's the following day. When you've got failure, successful people lean into it for the education. Non-successful non people cry a pity party and piss off. Yeah, I've, thank you for, for expressing that so clearly. I don't think we've had that spelled out in such specific terms that are, that are easy to understand. The way I think about this and the way I've seen it is if you've ever been in a lawsuit, I don't know if you have, Right. Yeah. But if serious lawsuit where you know, it's a quarter million dollars or five hundred thousand dollars or two million dollars at stake that can go to you. It's scary. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't care who you are. You know, it, it's scary to be presented to this lawsuit. You've got this liability. They can actually come get the money. You, you, you have to hire lawyers. The lawyers are a thousand dollars an hour. This is like real and it's paralyzing in my experience. Until. You get in the side until you get in the ring and start throwing punches. 
the first punch that you throw, the first countersuit, the first counterattack, the first response, once you get into it, then the fear evaporates. So I feel like there's just a, you know, between success and apathy, I think it's just a very stark line. You cross over that line, you start throwing punches, you get hit, and you go, I didn't die, and now you're in it. And that's what I find that people people are willing to step the line and get in it and not be paralyzed by it. And so it's not actually a big thing of willing to do all this stuff. It's willing the willingness to do one very small thing, which is cross that line. It's just it's a it's a tiny step, but very hard to make from apathy to I'm swinging. Oh yeah, when you're swinging, look, I've never got hurt in a fight. But oh, it yeah? hurts. really? It, Come on down here. Come on down here. And I'll back that up with my conclusion. <laughs> I've never been hurt in a fight until the following morning when I wake up, and yeah. that's when the pain yeah. comes in. When you're swinging punches and someone punches you in the nose, yeah. you don't go, oh, my God, it's you you carry on. Following day hurts like a mother, and you wish you hadn't have been there. But, yeah, you've got to just keep going. Yeah. Okay, so let me just take this. Things I was going to talk to Steve about. All right, now we're talking about something totally different. So, you know, your thesis is proving to be straight, but a million percent, if you are, uh, by the way, I don't do motivation because the people I work with come motivated, right? They want to make $50 million or $100 million. They're not like, how do I get up and, you know, be excited about life? Like, that's not what I do. Tony can do that. Uh, they, they come ready to roll. You know, I, I'll give those guys to you and you can fix them up. Uh, but but my guys are ready to roll. But but I do see them paralyzed, right? He, he, once you get, once you get hit, then the the and and it's different because in business you're not really taking physical punches, right? Uh, so that gets the human spirit fully invigorated. And uh, so if you're stuck in apathy, take that tiny step and strike back. I'm very conflict oriented, as you can. As you can see, but I think that I think the problem is when you're in a fight, you know you're in a fight. When you're yeah. in a lawsuit, you know yeah. you're in a lawsuit. The problem is, is when you don't realize the shit you're in. When you don't realize that you are potentially the problem for your growth, for your scalability. How many people do you meet that they feel they're a genius at branding or they feel they're a master at marketing? And you've got to come along and go, the reason you're not going anywhere is because you actually don't know shit. And you've actually got to get them out of the way of, of, of holding themselves up. That's the danger. When you're in the fight, you know you're in the fight. When something's going wrong, you know you're in. The downside is when you actually believe in your own bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have seen the enemy and he is I. Yeah. Good. So I have a question for you. And one of the reasons I was, you know, one of my questions that I'm excited to talk to you today. Things are changing so fast. In PR, marketing, social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, billboards. Yeah. It feels, I hear my thesis, it feels like we're doing something new, or a lot of our clients feel like they're doing something new, but it's actually old, right? So they're on Instagram doing the Gary Vaynerchuk or the, you know, the Cardone or the Sims or the Claft method. And it's very exciting and they're getting hits and they're up on Instagram and they're doing social media and they started a newsletter and because everyone's saying to do it and other people have done it and become successful, 
I think, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is an interesting case of because he goes back to like, I look at that guy and he doesn't look happy to me. I don't know if you know him, but you can tell him Orncliffe said, you don't look happy, but uh, he's very busy telling other people how to be happy. So we see that and we go, that's working for Gary. That's working for other guys. It's technology. It's exciting. I'm getting hits, but to me, it's quite old. And you're on the front lines of this. What today feels like thought leadership or the leading edge of branding, promotion, uh, differentiation? Oh, wow. That, that actually ended up with a question which I didn't think you were going, uh, going to arrive at. Um, but the first thing is, I'm, I'm an anti-brander, okay? And I, we have a company, Sims Media, where we actually anti-brand personalities and influencers and companies. The trouble with branding is people think they want to portray themselves as X while actually being Y. So what I do is I say, stop worrying about the branding, start focusing on being you. The good thing about me and my brand as it is, is it takes zero effort to be it because it's just me. And I can be me 24-7 with zero effort. I know, motherfucker. But listen, you are a special peanut. You came from- Yes, you came from interesting circumstance. You came from hard scrabble circumstances. You rose up against difficulty for whatever reason. You either had a mentor, you just found something inside of you. It clicked over. Like my son will starve to death in the kitchen with a refrigerator full of food. You know, <laughs> poor kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's seven years old, so he still has time, right? <laughs> but but I, I was born in Israel, you know, in the, the during the Six-Day War. My dad moved to Wisconsin. We lived in a place that I, I, I remember, you know, as palatial, but I met somebody the other day, and I said, he said, you grew up in Wisconsin. I said, yeah, we were in Eagle Heights. He's like, ooh, why? I'm sorry. Why did you have to live there? So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I came to as hard scrabble circumstances, but my dad was an academic. We lived at universities. You know, we grew up in the Midwest, but my parents are from South Africa and they tried to raise me like I lived in Africa when I lived in Wisconsin. You know, I had a hard time of it. You had a hard time of it. You overcame it. Right. And then for whatever reason, you came a bouncer and then the Queen of England came in. Right. And she's like, hey, uh, Steve, where do I take a dump? And you're like, oh, Queen, let me show you the golden thing and you solved her problem and then you realize you could solve problems and then uh the you know a rock band and then you became steve and then you moved to america and now you have a differentiated accent you have a very unique brand and you've tripled down on your unique brand but a lot of people steve you know to be fair are running accounting companies yeah but you mentioned something during that that babble that people <laughs> should go back and, and thank you uh, thank you for that compliment um you're, you're welcome right, right in that down, uh, take steve out of my rolodex thank you you actually <laughs> no but you gave the answer to your question you said that i focused when the queen came in i looked at something as the solution and today we're t- far too focused on how we look like and what car we're leaning up against rather than focusing on the solution we provide. As entrepreneurs, we ex- we basically exchange the solution to someone's problem by taking their credit card. So if you focus on being the solution to someone's problem and then finding many people that have that problem, that's how you actually gain growth. A lot of people go out there, they've read the Hallmark card or they've got their, their little memes on a fucking toilet bowl in the morning and all of a sudden they go, oh, you can be great. And they go, that, that's going to help me become an influencer. 
I hate influencers. I love achievers, you know? And that's what people have to focus on today. What are you the solution to and who's got that problem? Once okay. you've got that, you don't have to worry about the website, the suit, the car, anything. Just show up as a solution. Okay, but, but all right. But, you know, all right. Uh, let me let me under, try and unpack this. Again, you have an events company where you um so so you did it nobody else did it for you but this what right. you have i mean we're talking about branding but you have a very distinct brand i okay? do now i do now yes you do now right and i uh i think uh you do now that's that's fair so take us back to when you didn't yep what all right let's go backwards you know before yep. we had the goatee and the chipped head and the statico uh language and the credibility of uh, you know, having uh, birthed the queen's third child underneath the Botticelli Venus, okay, and having all these these fantastic, uh, uh, you know, experiences to lean on and photos to put on your website and your Instagram account. Take us back before that, and let's go back in time to the accountant or the bartender, Steve, who didn't have those things. Well, I had everything bar the credibility. I still had my directness. I still had my look. I still had my intensity. But I would look at you and I'd be like, what's your problem? What are you trying to achieve? I would grill down on you. I wouldn't take your first answer. I would say, so is that what's going to need to be solved? Is that where the problem lies? I would grill down a double down to understand what the core problem you had was. And then I would try to establish the credibility by solving it. If I can solve that problem, is that what going to mean to me and you are going to connect? So I went out of my way to try and find it. In the early stages, I wanted a job. I saw rich people and I wanted them to employ me. And to employ me, I would have to start a, start a conversation. And people love getting rid of pain, getting rid of problems. So I'm like, oh, guys, what are you focusing on? What's a problem you have that I may be able to help you with? And I was hoping it was going to be sales or go and collect money from this guy where I could just use my size and prowess to get. But they used to say, oh, we're trying to get into this party. Oh, we're trying to do this. Oh, we're trying to find a way of meeting so-and-so. They would tell me what that problem is, and I would go and try and solve it. And by solving people's problems, I gained the credibility. But me, I'm the same guy today at the age of 55 talking to you on this video than the guy on the door in Wan Chai, Hong Kong, back in two, uh, in 1995. So this is, I, I want you to reflect on my thesis. And I, I have a thesis about human psychology that we're experiencing today. And I want, I, want to, I want to go back and press on the question, like what are you seeing on the leading edge of branding and promotion and marketing from a tactical standpoint? Because you gave it, you gave the answer on a metaphysical standpoint, like be okay. yourself. Okay. Yep. But you know, come over, come over here to Carlsbad and see some of our clients. I mean, they sell soft software. They do manufacture semiconductors. Like they can't just go out and put on a, uh, uh, you know, like whatever they do on the weekend, play hockey, uh, you know, play paintball, do play poker, you know, drink tequila wildly and cavort with Hooters models. Well, I don't think Hooters has models, but 
no. Okay. We had a researcher here confirm Hooters doesn't have models. Um, but but anyway, they can't just come in Monday morning and be like, hey, I'm me. Check out this fucking gorilla suit and my hockey thing. And let's, um, you know, let's work out and do some UFC and check out my torn T-shirt. Like there's, there's social conventions that they have to live in. And, and so I want to, I want to come back then and let that sink in a little bit and maybe we can through your model, help people stand out a little bit when they can't really truthfully be their absolute core authentic self, because there's some social overlays that uh, are required. But okay. I, I want to come back to that because otherwise yeah. my tiny dinosaur brain will forget uh, something that you said and, and it, it's starting to already, but um, I have this thesis that we're becoming the average of what everybody else wants us to be. And that's what's deluding us. Yep. That's but, the cancer. But the challenge I'm putting on you, and I know you're like, hey, I didn't come to this podcast to have a challenge. Like I have work to do. But the challenge I'd like to put on you is in 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 a rock band, in you're a hockey player. You are, you know, you're a race car driver. And I know all these guys. You're a UFC or a, a CrossFit champion, your true personality can come out, but you work in and you may run a SaaS software company and your clients are Oracle and Apple. How do we square this? How, how do we, you know, how do we get round pegs in a round hole where you can actually be yourself, but you're living in an environment where people want you to be something different? See, the funny thing is everyone tries to be different by, first of all, following someone else. That's just ridiculous. You want to, you go to Silicon Valley, they, you get off the plane, they give you a pair of sneakers and a hoodie, and all of a sudden you think you're Zuckerberg, all right? So people should never, never try and follow the group mentality as you're talking about. Also, stop worrying about you. Start focusing on the solution you bring. If you're a SaaS company, we've got plumbing companies. We've got car dealerships under Sims Media. We've got a whole load of different ways. We've got influencers. We've got speakers. We've got authors. Focus on what's the point. If you own a software company, then why don't you start over social, over marketing, over your advertising, start focusing on the problem that you solve by establishing the problem. You see, a lot of people don't realize they have that problem to start with, you know? So why don't you go, do you have an issue with X, Y, Z? Establish the problem. Have you tried ABC? If you can actually shine light on the problem and then demonstrate the solution, people want to listen to you. People are getting tired. And it's, you talked about white noise at the beginning of this. We've just gone through COVID with mass distraction mass distortion, everything from politics, religion, medical, we're all up in the air. We're also going through Me Too, Black Lives Matter. There's a lot of noise going on at the moment. And it's it's people are going, oh, should I have that conversation or should I run away? And a lot of people are running away. We need to have the conversations today that are challenging. But the bad thing is we're actually not very good at conversing because our ability to communicate, and that's when it comes back to establishing the solution you've got, our ability to communicate is dwindling. We're getting really bad at communicating when we should be focusing on that as our sole single talent. Learn to communicate 
and establish the solution. If you're an accountant, have you, have you looked at this, this, this as the new laws coming out? Have you demonstrated your ability to offset that? Establish things to make people go, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, and so them in. So we, I, in, in my language, I call that winter is coming. Yep. So if you watch Game of Thrones, please don't start commenting about Game of Thrones. It's a good show. Please, God. Not you, but we're going to see comments. Game of Thrones, the swearing, the sex, the, the misogynistic violence. But anyway, if you watch Game of Thrones, they control all 19 seasons of the show with one element. Every like so the writing is so sloppy and convoluted, and they have dwarves attacking werewolves and witches flying in and ships coming from space and fucking who knows what. And it's it's unreconcilable plot elements, and they just go, Oh, winter is coming, and then everybody has to get along, you know, to and 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 uh it organizes the plot because it creates this master problem. Winter is coming. Now you need safety, you need food, you need allies, and you need weapons. Four yep. things, and it organizes everything. But so this is for us is that these these external pressures, and you mentioned them, uh, the changes in travel and COVID, the change in yep. relationship with China, uh, AI starting to do the jobs of white collar workers, um, the vaccinated versus the non vaccinated, uh, the 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 over accelerated economy, uh, the confusion around NFT. Steve Sims goes and has a sandwich, and then somebody films that and sells it on orncleft.com for $69,000 and you're going, what? I work an entire year for $69,000 and Steve Sims takes a dump on a donut and that's worth 70,000 bucks? How is that possible? So, uh, sorry, NFTs, as I was saying. So the ex external winters coming, creating problems for your business and this winter, this nuclear winter in your industry, it's gonna create winners and losers and do you wanna be on the loser side or the winner side, that's the problem. So anyway, that's how I define it. I think that might be what you said, but more, you said it more elegantly. Yeah. <laughs> and I noticed that Paul asked a question. I don't, I'm wondering if he's, he was one of the guys I kicked out, but it was Neptunes. Paul, I worked at Neptunes in Wang Chai. Uh, Neptunes in Wang Chai. Oh, cool. Well, sounds like somewhere we'll have to he, go. To. He asked the question, so I'm answering the question. You oh, highlight okay. it. All right. Well, now it's Paul's show, I guess. Um, hey, let's, I, I want to turn it back on you and don't start crying on my show too, because then we got to edit that out, you know? Try. Okay. But what, so what problems do you have? Because, because then I think we can make this tactical. Cause we talked about the, the abstract and the strategy, but maybe we can identify a real problem you have that's, that's really painful. And then how would somebody come in and market or brand or sell you that they're the right person to solve that problem. And, you know, and not, not, um, my car needs an oil change, but something, you know, something real. Cause otherwise. The yeah, solution yeah. Won't yeah be sure. Sure. Look, it's, it's always distribution and filtering. Um, as my brand has got up as our media company, as our coaching, as our speaking, you get a lot of people that want to be part of it, but they're not the right people. Now, it's the old doorman in me. It's the old bouncer in me that I realized that if I control who comes through my front door, I remove 99% of the problems once they're inside the club. If I let anyone come into my party, then I'm swinging fists on the dance floor. That I don't want to play with. So even today, the biggest problem I have is making sure I've got the right people in my universe. And so it's always a case of filtering, 
qualifying, making sure that you've got the commitment, the payroll, all of those things to be the right person in my world. But leading with you've got the desire to change, you've got the ability to to change, and you've got to be actionable. So, so can I just clar clarify the problem? So is the, is the problem because uh, I really want to find some pain if you're willing to do it. If you don't want to do it, you know that's okay. That's but, my pain. Talking to assholes. That okay. is my pain. People so, that don't fit my world. So you, but but I'm confused. So you have to interview people. So you have and and you're not getting good candidates for the positions you have or the people that you've allowed in, it turns out that they don't work out in your organization or your organization needs more infrastructure. Which, no, which it's, the clients. it's the clients. It's the clients. Whenever, we, yeah, whenever right. we take a client, yeah. we get a lot of people come to us. Thank you for you know shows like this. Yeah. We get a lot of people coming to us, go, hey, I want you to coach me. Oh, no, I my show, you're not going to get anybody. This, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but we get a lot of people come to us. And then we've got to filter through to make sure they're okay. the right people to accept on. So the time is always it. So is the time the pain point because you have other things to do? But like, no, okay. if I'm spending time yeah. on someone that's good that I can solve, but you've always got a lot of people that everyone's got a problem, not everyone's willing to commit. It's always the case of, hey, everyone's in until it's time to pay. You but, know, but that kind of shit. Steve, you, you've called bullshit on me seven times. I'm just going to call bullshit on you. This is like, we have too many clients and we can't figure out which ones are going to pay the most. No, I don't have pain, too many clients. It's not a painful problem. Like, go go deeper. Work work harder. I my my oh, goal. This is, this is, this is uh, you know, the, the left door handle on my um, four-seat Lamborghini uh, doesn't always open when I pull on it. It's just, uh, it, it hurt. Don't even mention it. It, it hurts so much. Like, deeper pain so look, both of us are in a position and I, i'm making assumptions from what i know about you both of us in a position that if this suddenly stopped we wouldn't have to worry about where the next meal was coming in right so when you get to to and i'm going to be arrogant when you get to our position we want to create impact yeah. i want people to change but i want the right people but i i have a low tolerance for morons and that's the problem i have I want, I, I want to get engaged with someone. I want to stand side by side, and I want to change the way they think, operate, and impact. But you've got to go through a filtering process to find the right people. So the biggest problem that anyone of our level is going to have is always going to come down to time. I don't have enough of it, so I don't want to uh, be taken up by people that aren't willing to change or are going to come back and just point at you and go, well, you didn't do it. So it's okay. always going to be that time element. Okay. So the, so the problem here is, I want to get on to other stuff, you know, quickly. Uh, but the problem here is that client discovery is, has to roll up to you because you have the Rudolph's magic nose. I've got the door key. You, you, you know, uh, like, um, uh, just give an example. I walked into a coffee shop the other day. I talked to the woman behind the counter for 30 seconds and I said, she'd be a great employee here. Right. Uh, so we circled around, we talked to her. Sure enough, she had a degree in sales and marketing from, you know, Michigan Baptist Methodist University. She'd run a sales department for five years and she was just working in the coffee shop because her and her husband just moved here. But in 30 seconds, I knew it. So I'm the guy with the nose. You're the guy with the magic nose. When you talk to a client, you know if they're going to be able to follow through, really 
yep. get out the other side and and enjoy the experience and be a good client. But that that's so time consuming. You're trying to execute on your business, but you're also having to do origination, uh, very time consuming. And if you could sort of put the Steve Sims brain inside of someone else and have them do a lot of the origination, it would free you up. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, oh, always, always. But isn't that what makes you different from other people when you can find out and discover what your unicorn is? If I could take this out and put it into 10 other people, yeah. I could create far more impact. But isn't that one of the things that makes me different to somebody else? But could I do it? I don't know. First question is, do you want to? There's a lot of people that could do stuff, but they don't want to, or they can't do it to a certain standard. Everyone can do their own accounts. Everyone can do their own lawn. But they, they maybe that's better to outsource to people that do it better and maybe cheaper and faster. So yeah. if someone can do what I can do and they can therefore generate greater impact, hey, I'm all for it. Here, here's who wants to do what you do. Here's who wants this job that we've just described. People who uh, are willing to do it, but as long as it's not too hard and makes me miss anything else in my life and takes time. But that's <laughs> that's who wants that job that we've, we've described. So, so interesting. So in order for me to come in, all right. So in order for me to come in really quick and just follow through this exercise and say, I want to take this pain away from you. I yeah. am going to screen, right? So you get 50 inquiries a day, right? I am going to screen them for uh, financial feasibility, for values, for integrity. And actionability. Actionability. And I'm not going to burn down the good ones that just yep. need to go to Steve immediately. Yep. Okay. Just quickly, how do I convince you that I'm the guy to do that? Well, it's how, always how by could demonstration. I? How it could would I? always be, it would always be by demonstration. Um, yeah, everyone's got a great resume. Jesus, I wrote a great resume. It was greater fiction than than Harry Potter. Um, but I would always go on demonstration. If someone says, "Hey, I can step up and do that," show me. I'm a great believer that we need to see action. We need to see. Credibility comes from action. I want to see how good you are. I, I want I to think, know you've done it, but I want I want to show up. I mean, God damn it, for sure. If there's nothing else you took away from this, like show, don't tell. Because I think when you get to Steve's level and you're blah, 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 and you're telling what you can do, he's busy and his mind is just going, how can I actually go do some work? And politely, because I don't want negative reviews on Yelp or, or glass ceiling, but I'd like you to leave... So show, don't tell for sure. All right. In the time we have left, I'd like to capture your thoughts. And I'm authentically inter interested in the tactics of getting out there. So I, I have a SaaS software company and our, our software is accounting software. We find potential errors in your tax filings and flag them ahead of time so you don't get an audit. Okay. Okay. I, we, you know, we were a $5 million company. Our goal is to become $25 million. We have an Instagram account, which we post some funny memes about accounting. And we have a newsletter that goes out once a week, but we're stuck. Like nobody, the only place that we get new clients is at trade shows or by cold calling. How do, how do we build a brand or authenticity or some center pole out of this company? All right, so I would say that there were two things there, and, and they're going to work in your favor because they're now virtual. Why don't you start doing a virtual webinar 
and inviting these companies in there where you go over these problems and you go over the solutions and then you ask them if they want to book a call, visit this link, register your details in there and we will have a one-on-one conversation with you to discover if we are the solution to your problem. So webinars are great. And so let's say then uh, we want to do something more and really like get something in the spotlight that we can talk about for a year. Okay. Right? So we're not going to go, uh, you, you know, we're not going to go to uh, Milan, right? And, uh, you know, do something in Italy because it doesn't have any brand connection. But how do we think through not having an idea, like some something we can do that's big that we can talk about, you know, that Steve Sims big that we could talk about for this, you know, by the way, I made up the company and it's not a real company, right? right um, okay. But okay. Um, so, so um, how do we unpack what it is to elevate, um, you, you know, the spotlight on us and, and, and show that we have a personality and that we're being ourselves and create something big. All right. So it's worth, worth talking about. Yeah. The, one of the keys were that you said you were already a successful company, but you wanted to scale up to be a more affluent, successful company. Yeah. So if you're looking to step up and get out into the limelight and get people talking about you, then you've got to focus on the fact of credibility. Are you as good as what you say you are? But more importantly, are other, other people saying you're brilliant? So case study it. Maybe you go out and you set up a division that actually starts working with young companies to make sure that they remove that problem before they even get to it. How to set up and structure young companies. Maybe set up an entrepreneurial division where we will help you in your early stages to avoid needing us later down the line. There's a good will in there. There's a good focus in there. And whenever you tell people what you can do to avoid a problem, nine times out of 10, they go, that's great. How much will it cost me? you to do that so you you never get a zero zero but that way you can actually do something different and then you can reveal those case studies on your site showing hey we have a separate division that looks after young companies to raise them to avoid the problems so they don't need us uh 100% agree what uh steve um get your opinion today when you think about influencers social media what do you like that you see happening out there? And what do you feel is going the wrong way and is going to be a problem for really society and the culture we live in? What do you love? Well, you've always stared by the masses and the masses basically yeah. want to see selfies, boobs. You know, they want to see this stuff. So you're never going to get away from the little tartlet doing a chest shot, uh, having a selfie on a jet that she doesn't own. That's going to continue, and it's going to fascinate people for three seconds, but I do believe we're getting past that now. People want to see substance. People want to look, and a a great example of this is Shark Tank. People want to see people with an idea getting backed, exploding into business. They want to see that. We're no longer looking at influencers. We're looking at achievers. How did you overcome this? How did you do that? We like seeing a peek into how people do things because we want to be able to do it ourselves. Because most successful people started off by being poor. And that's the good thing. And that's what they want to do. So I think social is good for that. But getting over the masses of the kids leaning up against the car they don't own and trying to sell you a $9.99 course, I'm afraid that's here to stay for a little bit longer because the mass of the planet want the shortcut. 
They want to take the blue pill and become successful, and it ain't going to happen. God. So, so I agree with that. Uh, and I think a lot of what you're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is vulnerability. Yeah. But how do you, you know, how do you let people see inside your world in an authentic way in which you are vulnerable? So, but not appear weak. So right. I, I'm sensitive to to weakness because I work in finance, and no good deed goes unpunished in finance, right? And so. You want, we want to be vulnerable. We want to be transparent. We want to be authentic. We want to be honest. We want to have good values, but we can also go too far with all that and just appear weak. So, is all right. So, let's break that down because you use both words and they're slightly different. One of the words that I really hate is the word authenticity. Okay. It pisses me off when people turn around and go, Oh, look at him. He's so authentic. You're just establishing that everyone else you know is not. Okay, and that's bad. What you want to be today is impossible to misunderstand. We have a really, really, really low tolerance level. We want to know what this person wants, what this person gives, who this person is. We need to know that within a couple of seconds and then I'll stay. So what we don't want is authenticity. authenticity. What we do want is transparency. You need to be very low IQ requirement of me to understand what you're all about. I need to be able to look at you and go, I get this guy, or I don't like this guy. I need to be able to make a decision on that quickly, and that's transparency. And that transparency comes from revealing your strengths, your weaknesses, your actions, and what you do with them. You see, I can't write an email, but I sold a bestseller. The bottom line of it is, we want to focus on someone's I can over that IQ, and we want it to be impossible to misunderstand. Focus on revealing you, not the image you want people to see. And so, just so we have a use case, I mean, have I, how have I done on that today? You've done pretty well because you're all over the place, but it's you, and you haven't tried to be someone that you're not. You haven't tried to excel at this. You've just shown up, and that's good. So, I, I do commend you for that transparency. Thank you. I appreciate it. And then, and then, uh, weakness, just talk to me about weakness, you know, just your, your views on it. I love it. You see, identifying a weakness is a strength. It may sound silly, but if, when I can look at something and go, Hey, I'm not very good at that. I'm going to outsource that and get someone else to do it. That's my strength in identifying my weakness. Your idiocy is when you think, Oh, I can control that. I can handle that. I'm going to get better at that. And as Dan Sullivan says, if you focus on your weaknesses, you end up with some really strong weaknesses. So strength <laughs> is identifying what you're not good at and getting it out of someone that can do it. I really suck at the things that I suck at. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Steve, what should be having heard you and people go, okay, I only have so much room in my life for to listen to people. So therefore I'm getting rid of Oren uh, because, and I'm skipping over to Steve uh, because this is better stuff. <laughs> Where should they go? What should they do as a tiny first step to get into Steve's world? Well, I've got the book, um, yeah. The Art of Making Things Happen, uh, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. It did pretty well. Uh, it's on audio as well. It's dirt cheap. Try that. I don't actually get paid very well for it because I got a 
juicy big fat potato at the beginning. Uh, but I'm at Steve D. Sims anywhere that you consume media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Steve D. Sims, 1M in Sims. If I light your bubble, if I invigorate, if I activate, then, hey, come and find me. If not, have a good time. Awesome. What are you better at than anybody else? Just so people uh, who, you know, are, are, are institutional clients who really like you, like the things we talked about, but want absolute clarity of if we go over to Steve, what are we going to, Steve, what are we going to get? What are you better at than anybody? I am brilliant at getting you uncomfortable, getting you challenged and getting you to create more impact in your true art of communication. Steve, thank you very much for your time here today. This has been the Dealmaker Show with Orrin Clef and Steve Sims. Hope to meet you in person. You're a very dynamic, interesting person and very well evolved. For somebody who grew up in the environment you said you did, I better not call around and find out that you went to Oxford for four years, did an internship, a degree in literature at Harvard, uh, <laughs> You know, and, and we're at Goldman Sachs and McKinsey for two years, and this is your fucking persona. I will kill you. I'll take that on the chin, yeah. And no, you don't have to worry about being surprised there. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. I hope to meet you in person. You're interesting. Very interesting. We'll person. make it happen. Look after right. yourself, buddy. Later. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. And be sure to stay tuned for more great content from Oren Claff. If you want to get daily insights and additional assets, go to orinclass.com slash daily and sign up for a seven-day trial of The Daily Dealmaker. See you next time.